This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! South Beach, as is my partner, John McMullen. Yeah, I had uh, audio ahead. issues. I didn't hear you for those first five seconds, Jody. You didn't? No. All right, so hold on. Take two. <laughs> it's a Tuesday travel day here on Birds 365. You got the Mac and Mac guys, and you got us both for the next two hours, but we won't have McMullen after that. He's on a big old jet plane heading down to Miami, much like the Birds, where they're going to get some joint practices in with the Dolphins. John, we're getting actually close now. I'm starting to feel it that the regular season is just around the corner. 12 days until the first kickoff on the Sunday. Got to get through this week. Got to do two practices with the Dolphins in an exhibition game. But it's right around the corner. Football season's almost here, buddy. Yeah, I, I and I can't wait because, uh, yeah, I'm preseasoned out. Uh, I said yesterday. So August... 23rd today you got to cut down from 85 to 80 and then august 30th next tuesday you cut down to 53 that's when you really feel it so we got to just get through one more week of preseason nonsense um and you know then we'll be we'll be to the real deal and and we can start talking about that kind of stuff which by the way i woke up you know I got a long day, so I woke up on the wrong side of the bed to begin with. But really? worse, I, I, worse than yesterday? 
Yeah, well, yesterday I was just nitpicking, but it's got to do with yesterday. It's like you've been doing this a long time, Jody, 35 years, right? That's the uh, the anniversary we're Correct. talking about. That's who I was. Do people just not listen or are they dis- disingenuous? What is your thought process on it that? It depends on the individual. There's some of, some of both. Yeah, some people just that's not what I said. What are you talking about? That's not yeah. what I said. And some people just don't pick up on nuance and stuff. I dip changes with uh, yeah. varying individuals. So yeah, that's frustrating. But yesterday when I was nitpicking about the Eagles schemes, it wasn't about what they were doing in preseason games. It's what they're going to do. Uh, and, and, and yes, everybody's vanilla in preseason. That's why it doesn't matter, which is what I pointed out. And everybody isn't game planning, which is why it doesn't matter, which I constantly point out. It's about what they're going to do, which I'm 100% locked in on what they're going to do defensively. There's a little bit of room for wiggle on on the offensive side, but I'm pretty locked in on what they're going to do on the offensive side. Um that's what I was talking about. Not preseason vanilla football. Yeah, it bothers me. Sorry. Um, uh, so you don't think JG's going to change a thing? I, I I know what he's going to run. That's not like I, I think a lot of people out there don't understand what he's running. So, I mean, I guess my question would be, what do you mean by change? I mean, it's going to look different because he has different players, but he's running the same thing. He's running the offshoot of the Big Fangio defense. He's running, you know, 5-2 overhang and then the four-man pass rush on obvious pass downs, and that's what he did last year. But last year he didn't have Jordan Davis, so he couldn't do it as much. He couldn't play 5-2 as much. Um, well, then so, that's a change into itself. If, yeah. If he's going to – if if you've got a five two defense and you ran it X amount of the percentage of times later, yeah, they can run it, and you're going year. to run it X amount differently this year. Well, then that's changing. It's not the same thing. Well, the same. It's the same scheme. It's different talent that allows you to pay play part of the scheme more than you did last year. Same thing with the Eagles on the offensive and AJ Brown. You know, it's going to be the same stuff, but it's going to look different because AJ Brown. Like I said, they're going to out-talent people um, because they have significant talent. So, you know, last year you had uh, guys playing out of position. Javon Hargrave, think of playing nose tackle. And Gennard Avery playing Sam linebacker. So you're not going to play a lot of 5-2 overhang with those guys. Now you have Jordan Davis and Hassan Reddick. You're going to play more 5-2 overhang. That's, but it's the same thing. It's the same thing they played last year when Jannard Avery was out there. That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying, and that's what he brought. That's what he brought in, but he couldn't implement it to the way he wanted to, or the success of the way he wanted to. And by the way, they were number ten in the NFL, and and they did. They were top five in limiting explosive plays, which is the whole philosophy of the defense. Um, so. I would argue it was successful anyway, but you know, well, then, I, then, then why would you want them to change, John? Because my issue and, and what I brought up 
is if everybody's doing the same thing, it becomes who does the same thing the best. And that to me is antithetical of, of, of this, this innovative, you know, we got to get these innovative minds in here. I, you know, one of my favorite movies, I tell you all the time, Jody is, is, is Moneyball. I love that movie because it tells you the ground floor of the shifting in baseball and the A's were ahead of the game, never won, but they were ahead of the game of counting cards as Brad Pitt said it in the movie as Billy Bean, they were ahead of the game. Now everybody's doing it. So it becomes who does it best. You're no longer innovative. So that's my point. It becomes who does it best. NBA, same way. NBA shifted into a math problem, right? Three-point shot, three-point shot. Somebody figured out along the way that if you shoot 60% from the floor, unless you're Wilt Chamberlain, uh, you know, six out of 10 is 12 points inside the three-point line. Well, that means you only got to shoot 40. And if you shoot above 40, and if you got Steph Curry shooting threes and all these great shooters, well, the math problem is, hey, don't have Maurice Chicks driving down the lane and dishing it off to Bobby Jones or Julius Irving. Have him kick it out to the three-point shooter, which didn't exist back in the day. That's how the NBA has changed. But now everybody does it, so it becomes who does it best. Right. And 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 all these guys are in the camp thinking they're ahead of the game. No, you're not ahead. You might have been ahead of the game. Andy Reid's ahead of the game because he's constantly innovating. Bill Belichick is ahead of the game because he's constantly innovating. You're not ahead of the game if you're in the if you're in line with everybody else. You're just in line and you're trying to be better. And guess what? The Eagles have more talent than most teams. So they're going to be fine. I'm not going to say they're a bad football team, but they're in the line with everybody else. That's all I'm trying to say. They're in the line with everybody else. Well, I will see if uh, Belichick's ability to uh, be constantly changing actually works. Uh, I'm not sure it's going through this week without a play caller for his offense. He refuses. But that's I, the thing, Jody. And I don't know if it's going to work, right? I, I have no idea. On paper, it looks absurd, right? Everybody goes, how could you have Matt Patricia? How could you have Joe Judge calling plays? Well, been, I, been, there, been there, done that when they made Castillo a defensive coordinator here in Philadelphia. The innovative Andy Reid uh, decided he's going to take his offensive well, line and coach I know, and make him and a defensive I know people are going to bring that That was out. very innovative. There was a problem. It didn't freaking work. Yeah, but here's the thing. You're a football coach, right? So that that's what I'm saying. The mindset is, and I have it myself. I'm not criticizing you because I say the same stu- stuff. We don't even think that way. We're like, well, he's an offensive coach. He's an offensive Well, why is he an offensive coach? Now, you pointed out failures. You know, Jeremiah Washburn used to be an offensive line coach. Nobody Nobody knows it anymore because he's a defensive line coach. I mean, Nick Sirianni is a wide receiver, started out as quality coach quarterbacks. Nobody talks about it. I mean, I mean the the flipping of, of especially early in careers, the flipping of positions and coaching isn't that big of a deal because you're supposed to be a football coach. And right. by the way, more the more things you can learn, the more technique you can learn, the better coach you're going to be. 
that's guys like Belichick are, are, you know, and he has the cachet to do it. And, and Andy tried it and it didn't work uh, obviously with Juan Castillo, but I get the thought process. Uh, the, the same thing people say about Jeremiah Washburn right now, everybody says Javon Hargrave said it, Fletcher Cox said it, bunch of guys said it. His, his, his past as an offensive line coach helps us um, as, 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 as uh, pass rushers in, in the case of Hassan Reddick, it helps us as because he knows so much about what offensive lines are thinking. To me, that makes sense from a, a, a logic standpoint, but yeah, it's very difficult. It's very difficult because people are going to say, and, and here in Philadelphia, the first name I could have predicted 100%. Jody's going to bring up Juan Castillo because it didn't work. No, no, um, no, no. John, 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 hold on. I didn't bring it up because it didn't work. I didn't, I brought it up because it was too big a leap. I get the point you're trying to make that conceptually can work. If you if you know how to beat up and you're going to become a defensive guy, well, you should understand because you used to work with the offensive guy. On a positional coach level, it works. If you're as cocky as Andy Reid and Bill Belichick are, and I understand they both have resumes, they can do it, but it doesn't guarantee that it's going to work. Andy Reid tried to do it on too big a level with a coordinator position, which is too much to ask to have a guy change from one side of the ball to the other. And we'll see if it works for Belichick. My prediction is it won't because I think it's too big a leap. I didn't bring it up because it didn't work. I brought it up because it was too big a jump for the coach to try and make. But and I bring it up because they're 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 open minded to things that other people don't think about. Now, in in the case of Matt Patricia, I then, agree with but, you. If you're going to yeah, ask then the me, the results come in, and we judge the results, right? We don't judge the, yeah. the nerviness well, of it. We judge I the said, results. And I, the results I, were that it failed miserably. And I say all the time with play calling, people don't judge play calling; they judge results. Of, of course. course, we judge re- results. We don't judge play calling, whether people know it or not. They're judging the results of the play call. Sure. And that's why talent means so much. I, all I know is Matt Patricia. I, if, if, if you if you ask me to make a prediction, I'm with you. I don't think it's going to work. But, you know, the guy's been a head coach in this league, an unsuccessful one. But nonetheless, he should know how to call the game. I was with Mike Tice in Minnesota when – Red McCombs owned the team and ran it like the the Cleveland Indians in Major League. You know, he was he was one of those guys that would buy uh, sports teams and flip them to make the money. And he cut and he, you know Scott Linehan was their offensive coordinator, who everybody knows or should know, uh, former Dallas offensive coordinator, Rams offensive coordinator. Um, he he just wouldn't pay him, so you know. He left to go to Miami, and and Mike Tice didn't have anything, and he was a tight ends coach and an offensive line coach, and he got elevated when they fired Dennis Green. Again, cheap guy, cheap coach, um, stripping down the budget, and he's calling plays, and guess what? He was fine, and he and he made the playoffs, and he, and he overachieved uh, because he'd been around football, and he'd been a football coach for a long, long time. Um, I. He, I, I do think there's something, and, and I go roundabout to my original point. Look, I like innovative people. I like it, and they could be in different packages because I always say that the most innovative offensive mind in football is Andy Breed. And how old is Andy? I don't, I don't know. Doesn't mean youth does not guarantee innovation, 
just like innovation doesn't, uh, you know, youth, uh, because you're young doesn't mean it's innovative. Uh, And if you're in the same line as everybody else, Jody, you're in the same line as everybody else. Billy Bean was innovative. Okay. Billy Bean was innovative. Everybody who copied Billy Bean is not innovative. Chip Kelly was innovative. And, And by the way, I think a lot of people don't know. Bill Belichick loved Chip Kelly, loved Chip Kelly, would invite him to practices to pick his mind about the tempo stuff. But Bill was smart, and he knew he had that filter. And and Chip didn't have that filter. And then you saw it with Brady. Who was better running up-tempo stuff than Tom Brady? But he also could take his foot off the gas when he needed to take his foot off the gas and manage the game and do everything and say, oh, we got a two-touchdown lead. Let's not keep going and going and going and going. Like you're the Energizer Bunny. He took the foot off the gas. He manipulated the clock. It, 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 that's that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Right. But Chip was innovative, but he just didn't adjust. He was, and he was a failure. So I, I think you're putting a little bit of uh, too much emphasis on innovation. There aren't all that many innovators in the NFL. The Eagles are, you're right, like a lot of other teams. So if the Eagles aren't one of the two innovative teams in the NFL, I'm not going to make a big deal about it. All right, he's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. The Mac and Mac guys, we got one of our buds coming up next. Does a good job uh, contributing for Bleeding Green Nation. Does the Eye on the Enemy podcast for the Philadelphia Eagles. John Stolnes joins us next here on Birds 365. your day with confidence definitely want to keep the umbrellas on hand and keep your family safe with action news and accuweather numerous tornadoes well over seven inches of rain your go-to team when severe weather strikes the water is still rising right now keeping you prepared wherever you watch on tv on 6abc.com and on our streaming apps. And that's when we go severe weather mode and on the air for you action news and accuweather the team you trust. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. 
Traveling Tuesday here on Birds 365 Eagles, including my buddy John McMullen heading down to Miami, take on the Dolphins in a couple of uh, joint practices before Thursday, uh, Friday, excuse me, Saturday preseason game. Here to talk about all of us, the, the final week of preparation to get ready for a season. A guy who's been covering the birds for years, contributes on Bleeding Green Nation, his Eye of the Enemy podcast is a must listen for Eagle fans. Only problem is he's scraping the bottom of the barrel. He had me on his guest. You know, you know, you know things are going south when that's the case. Uh, John Stolnitz joins us here on Birds 365. Are you cool with the fact that you're not going to be in South Beach for all this eagle action this week? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly, hey, that's a nice getaway for sure. It's better than it's better than going to someplace cold uh, in the middle of the fall. But uh, yeah, you know, it's. I'll let you all do your thing down there in, in Miami as you guys are going. That's better than Berea, Ohio, but I, That's I, right. That's I right. still prefer to be in the regular season. I prefer to be in Detroit, and that's kind of weird uh, because I'd like <laughs> to fast forward uh, from this preseason stuff. But we got to get through one more week, and then we sort of get into regular season mood, mode, get down to the 53, John, the initial 53. Um what what are your concerns? What are you excited about? Uh, what do you think this team is is best at, and what are you concerned about? I think that one of the things I think this team is best at right now certainly looks like it's going to be running the ball again. They've looked really good here in in the summertime and in these preseason games, running the ball, the offensive line. Um, and Cam Jurgens has looked really good at center. Yeah, it's has. pretty amazing, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of fun to think about you know what the future could hold with the with a young offensive line like they have uh, with him there. And, and you know, I, I think they're going to be I think they're going to be pretty good in the secondary too. I, I think they're going to make some plays. I, I think they're. Their turnovers will will tick up this year. I think we're going to see some more interceptions. Um, and uh, I think the other aspect of the team I really like are the linebackers. Kaiser White's looked really good this summer. Uh, I think they're they've got some guys who can run around and make some plays. We haven't seen that much from an Eagles linebacking core over these last few years. And so um, uh, those are probably the three areas I, I'm most excited about. And um, you know, I just think top to bottom, the roster has so much more talent than it had last year that it's 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 exciting i think the expectations are high and they should be all right uh we are now one full year and almost an entire off season in evaluating the eagles coaching staff head coach mm -hmm. nick sirianni and all of those under him in comparison to the other 31 teams in the national football league how do you how do you believe they measure up how do you rate nick sirianni off whatever his track record is, you evaluate yeah. for that for yourself for the amount of time that he's been in place as the head coach. How does he match up against the rest of the coaching staffs in the league? You know, I, I think he's probably in the top half right now. I don't know that I'd go a whole lot higher just because he's only had the one year. Uh, he has he has some limited success against some of the better teams in the NFL, but he's found a way at least so far to beat the bad teams. And it seems like the team is ready to play. It seems like they're ready with these joint practices to start the regular season. I know that he and his coaching staff took a lot of heat for uh, the lack of off season practices and, and kind of the, the light hitting uh, summer training camp, but they look ready. They look really good so far here in, in the summertime. And, um, I don't know that he is. I heard you guys talking before I came on about innovation. I don't know that he's the most innovative coach in the world. I don't know that you need that. You know, I think you just want a coach that can play to his team's strengths, that can identify what the strengths are and use those guys to the best of their ability. And I don't care if he's reinventing the wheel or not. 
Uh, as long as he gets the most out of Jalen Hurts, he, he's able to scheme up the, the passing game and the running game and allow his defensive coordinator the freedom to, to do what needs to be done and to step in when the head coach needs to step in. I, I think I don't know how I can compare him to the rest of the, the best coaches in the NFL. I just think he needs more time before you can really say he's top 10 or even you know top 12. But I certainly think he's top half just based off of what we've seen so far. Yeah, he can win. I, I, yeah. I, I, I've been bringing up, uh, you know, kind of there was a kind of spin when Doug left that there was going to be more innovation. I haven't seen that was his word. It all kind of started, John. But, hmm. um, you know, Jimmy Johnson, one th- one thing I always respected about Jimmy Johnson, he, he was very honest and he said, hey, we had three running plays. Go stop them. <laughs> when you have Emmett Smith and Larry Allen, Eric Williams, Mark Stem. He had three running plays and nobody could stop it. So um, sometimes, not sometimes, all all the time, execution is more important. Talent is more important. And if you couple those two, then coaching, it's kind of where you have that even keel or you're a little bit worse maybe. And like we talked about in the postseason with Tampa Bay last year. Okay, now we got to scheme something to be in this game. That's what I'm... I don't know where we are yet. Not necessarily that it's bad, but I don't know where we are yet. Yeah, and I think surrounding Nick Sirianni and his coaching staff, it's just more question marks than anything else. It's not that I don't think they can be in the top echelon of, of coaching staffs. It's just we we don't have enough data yet, I don't think, to really make a good assessment of, of, of where they are. I just remember from Andy Reid's tenure, he was inventive. He, he really did bring a lot of really – smart things offensively but then he'd get into a playoff game and he'd outsmart himself a lot of times you know we we saw that uh, with chip kelly we we saw that um with a lot of the other coaching staffs we were you get guys who they get inside their own heads sometimes and and then they they outthink themselves they get too smart for the room and i i want to coach you know in doug in 2017 i think that was my favorite aspect of doug peterson is that he was he seemed like he had a lot of humility in listening to other people and not trying to do too much and and taking what the defense gave them, utilizing the players he had and using them to the best of their abilities. I think I think the great ones, I would like to think, can put the ego aside a little bit and and just do what wins games and, and leave it at that. I think it's going to be great week one against Detroit because guys like Jody McDonald and John McMullen, Robert John Stolness will overanalyze. <laughs> Run pass ratio. Yeah. It's been a bugaboo here in town from ever going back to Andy through Chip. Whatever. And it's gonna be a, a conversational topic again this year because some people, like my partner, believe they should still be leaning on the run more. That that's mm-hmm. how they got to the playoffs last year. And sure. we all watch a game against the Browns this week. How'd they win? I know it was exhibition, but they did win. They ran the ball down the Browns' right. throat. <laughs> Guess what? They're going to throw the football this year. They they gave uh, Mr. Brown the kind of money that they did because they want to try and throw the football more. They want to make a decision on Jalen Hurts, and they want to see if he can throw the football. Yes, right. they've got a very good blocking offensive line for run blocking, but they can also pass block too. You don't think there's any chance that within a week or two, the coach is going to throw his hands up like he did last year and go, oh, shoot, mm-hmm. we got to run the football. I, I know, Mr. Right. Laurie, you'd like us to throw the football, but we're better running the football. That's not happening this year, is it? No, well, even with less talent last year, it still took them six or seven weeks to, to realize they needed to change things up. So, no, I, I think they're probably going to lean more on the pass than the run. Uh, I think you saw how difficult it is to win games uh, late in the season against good teams 
when you are exclusively a running team. And you do need to see what Jalen Hurts can give you throwing the football. You need to see, you know, he's got a great group of wide receivers and, and he's got a great tight end. It, it, they need to figure out if he's going to be able to utilize all these different tools that, that he has now. And I, I don't think it's going to be, like you said, two weeks of you know a passing game that's struggling. Okay, now we're just going to hit the run really hard. Um, I, I do think that a good running game and utilizing the running game will help the passing game. And I, I think that's sometimes where when we're talking about the pass rush balance, I, I want to see enough of a rushing attack so that it's a threat. Um, again, I'll go back to the Super Bowl season. Why was Nick Foles so, so effective in the RPO game? Well, it's because they had to respect Jay Ajayi. They had to respect LeGarrette Blunt. How many big runs did those guys break off in the Super Bowl and, and in the playoff run? It's because teams had to keep an eye on the running game and on that offensive line's ability to, to run block that some of those plays worked. And so if you're not showing that you can effectively run the ball and establishing the run game at some point during the game, I think it hurts your ability to throw the football, especially with a guy in Jalen Hurts who has a lot of question marks. He's not Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert <laughs> who can overcome, you know, uh, and some, some of the, the things the defense might, might throw at him. So there, there's a partnership between the two. And I don't know if it's 60-40. I don't know if it's 50-50 or whatever it is. They just have to find that equilibrium that works for the offense to move yeah. the ball down the field and score inside the 20. And to me, I'm I'm not a run-pass ratio guy. I say every week, tell me what the score is with 10 minutes left. I'll tell you what the run-pass ratio is. I mean, <laughs> if you're winning by two, you're going to run the football. If you're losing, yeah. you're going to throw it, and it's going to look bad. That, to me, is meaningless. What what you said, John, That look who they have, man. you got to yeah. take advantage of Jalen Hurts. And I, I've used those same two names. If you're going to try to turn Jalen Hurts into Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, you're going to fail. Yeah. But if you turn, if you try to turn Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert into Jalen Hurts, you're going to fail. Right. Uh, you, you, you accentuate what your quarterback can do. And to me, that's the RPO game. And then you're going to have Nick Sirianni saying, well, that was a called run, but he threw it or that was a called pass, but he ran it uh, because that's what a run pass option is. Right. Um, it, it, with Jalen Hurts, what is what? What do you think? And I, I don't want to use the word obsession, but is it just because of the injury potential that people say, "Oh, he can't be Jalen Hurts"? Because I'm like, we have Jalen Hurts. Let's <laughs> let Jalen Hurts be Jalen Hurts. I don't want him to stand back in the pocket and sling the football like he's Joe Burrow. That's kind of my point. Yeah, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater here as far as running the football with the quarterback. When you've got a guy who is a weapon like that, you have to utilize him. I think the issue with Jalen Hurts and, and the issue that Eagles fans have with him running the football is that he sometimes runs the football when it should be thrown. You know, he'll break the pocket too early when he, he bails on a play too soon. Um, it's knowing it's, and then that just comes with experience, you know, and it's, some of it is a feel thing too, but knowing when to run, knowing when to do that, um, when to break the pocket, when to move upfield and get whatever yardage you can is, is going to be key in his development. But I do think that they need to make sure that they are using Jalen hurts in called run plays for the quarterback. And they've got to figure out a way to do it. So he's not taking big hits so that he can get down or get out of bounds or, or whatever it is. That's what I mean, just with an equilibrium, with finding a balance. They, they have to utilize all these different guys and utilize their strengths. And I think Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen will do that. I, I think they'll figure out a way to allow Jalen Hurts 
to continue to be effective in the run game. They're not stupid. They know what they have in Jalen Hurts as far as a running quarterback is concerned. And I don't think they're going to purposefully sit back there and say, okay, Jalen, you're going to drop back 40 times a game every game, and let's see what happens. Well, as a, as a quick follow-up there, John. Sorry, Jody. Um, I agree with you. I think Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen understand what they have in the quarterback. Do Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie, or are they sort of, you know, Jeffrey's been very honest over the years about, I want to, you know, the easiest way to win in this league. And by the way, I agree with him is the high powered, uh, consistent passing offense. But if you don't have Joe Burrow, if you don't have Justin Herbert, utilize what you do have is, is the powerful people in the organization. Are they a concern? when it comes to the football part of it, because they want to play in a certain way. Mm-hmm. It maybe you're not equipped to play that certain way right now, but you can win a lot of games playing a different way, which we saw last year. You can. I think the concern with a, with a quarterback like Jalen Hurts, and I think we saw this, we've seen this with other running quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, like Michael Vick. I'm trying to remember a primarily running quarterback that has won a Super Bowl. They're just not a lot of them out there. And I think when you look at Super Bowl winning quarterbacks, most of them are your traditional drop back quarterbacks. And so I think if you're Jeffrey Lurie and you're Howie Roseman, you see that that is how teams have traditionally won in the NFL, that some of those running quarterbacks have gotten to the Super Bowl. I mean, we've seen guys like, you know, we've seen guys do that. We've seen Kaepernick and Cam Newton. But Cam Newton could also really throw the football, too. He was a great running quarterback. But and he was Colin, a really yeah. Colin was really close. Um, exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that so I dam think... will break, though. Don't it you will... want to be the first to break <laughs> that dam? It will, because it will. It, it, yeah. I don't. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it is going to happen because there's more and more of these dual threats, and then the percentages just rise. And Kaepernick almost made the great quarter comeback, as you mentioned. I think the Panthers were fifteen and one that year, or some yeah. outrageous record. I mean, yeah. they were a really good team. It's going to happen at some point. Why not be that guy? Why not well, be that guy to break that breakthrough? Here's what I'll pretty much guarantee you for this year. If Jalen Hurts leads the Eagles in rushing attempts this year, they're not winning a Super Bowl. That one I'll tell you right now. It's never happened. Well, a I agree team with, with that. a quarterback who's run the ball more than anyone yeah, else not on the what team I mean. that's has not never what I mean. won a Super Bowl. That's not what I mean. I mean... We uh, did uh, last run... You realize that, right, John? Jalen Hurts uh, had more rushing attempts than any other Philadelphia Eagles last year. Yeah, but that's because Miles got hurt. I mean, I my my the run heavy aspect of it, and that's where John brought up Kaepernick is probably the best example, and and then probably Cam uh, after that. But Cam could really sling it as well. Um, Steve Young, you know, had that and actually won one tremendous runner, but obviously yeah, much more pass heavy. Mike Vick um, is another one. Yeah. Um, Mike Vick has made some, some deep runs. Um, it, 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 it's not about having the most running. And like, I think that was circumstance, you know, if miles is out there for 17 games. He's going to be now. That's a big, that's a big hit, <laughs> but he's going to, he's yeah. going to run the football the most for the Eagles. Oh, by the way, but, remember Jalen sat two games last year too. Yeah, yeah, he did. 
Well, but uh, but if you look at the numbers, I mean, statistically, it would have ended up with Miles on top. He runs it a lot for a quarterback. I'm not I'm not saying he doesn't, and I'm not saying, but I'm not saying I don't want him to run it a lot because he's effective running the football. And I remember John Nick Sirianni in the offseason saying, at some point, you, you know. He, he had always said there were four areas he evaluates quarterbacks and it's accuracy, number one, decision-making, uh, arm strength, movement skills. Uh, obviously, Jalen has the movement skills. Yeah. Um, arm strength, you know, he's not Brett Favre, but the Eagles have said he's fine uh, from that standpoint. So then it comes down to accuracy and decision-making. And he always puts accuracy first. So, and that's why Jalen was working in Southern California to get back. And then he said he's starting to debate decision making versus those movement skills because he said sometimes you don't realize what you have until you have it. Hmm. And what he does to opposing defenses, just the threat of, of, of his ability puts so much stress. And I go back to that Giants game last year. They ultimately lost it because Jalen Rager dropped a, a couple of balls he should have caught. Jalen was really bad in that game, but he kept pressing and pressing and pressing and kept making a play here and there. Carolina game was very similar to that as well. And he had the Eagles in a position to steal the game if Jalen Rager can just catch a, a pass. That's a very valuable trait to have because most guys you know you can see a a normal drop back quarterback right in the second quarter if he doesn't have it you're done all right he doesn't have it today Jalen Hurts is always coming for 60 minutes that's very very difficult for an opposing defense to deal with do you think that's underrated a little bit I do. I, I think that's especially during the regular season when you're playing a team like New York or Carolina, where you can kind of get away with, um, you know, you're, you don't have your fastball that day. All right, we're going to we're going to rely on the secondary stuff. You know, I, I think that's important to be able to have a guy with other tools in his tool belt and um, to be able to run the ball, to be able to make plays outside the pocket, to be able to figure it out. We saw Carson Wentz have days like that where he just didn't have it throwing the football, but it was able to kind of run around, make plays, put pressure on the defense, make defensive coordinators have to bring an extra guy uh, after the quarterback. And Hey, somebody breaks free and you can, you can hit a big play. Hitting splash plays in the NFL is, is highly underrated. You know, we talk about schemes and we talk about offense, but, um, when you've got an ability to make splash plays, you can win some ball games when you're not at your best. And and given, even though he had all his struggles last year, Jalen Hurts still would be able to hit the splash play. A lot of time it was with his legs and sometimes it was throwing the ball. And without Jalen Rager on the field quite as much this year, and you've got Brown and Smith and Watkins. And I think Zach Pascal is going to be a, a really important addition as the number yeah, four wide receiver. Good. I'm surprised how good he's looked. It just gives you so much more the, depth. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it really does. And so I, and I think Goddard's going to have, He's not starting the season sharing the job with Zach Ertz. And so, you know, I I think you do need to have a quarterback that has secondary skills other than throwing the football in order to, to give yourself, like you said, give yourself that out if you don't have it that day. It would be great to have a quarterback that's always on. There's only a few of those yeah. guys in the league, and, and yeah. you know, they're few and far between. All right, I want to jump over to the defense side of the ball for a second, uh, John. Last year, the Eagles played mostly zone defense in a defensive backfield. Um, that seems to be what Jonathan Gannon prefers 
they did add James Bradbury, who's an upgrade. I was a Stephen Nelson fan. I'm a bigger James Bradbury fan yeah. this year. So they got two outstanding corners on the outside. Maddox is one of the better inner inside cornerbacks, slot cornerbacks in the NFL, for my money. Will Jonathan Gannon change? Will he be innovative and use more man-to-man defensive schemes because he believes he's got kind of talented corners that you need to have to go that route? Or do you mm-hmm. think he'll stick with uh, what his usual philosophy is? My guess is he'll probably stick with what his usual philosophy is. Um, he went and gotten he went and got a linebacker this offseason in Kaiser White, who is really good in zone. Um, I think the linebackers are, are set up to kind of continue to play that type of defense. And, you know, I, th- I think, you know, a defensive coordinator, generally speaking, is going to do what they're most comfortable doing. They, they like to talk about being a hybrid defense and doing all these different things. But at the end of the day, defensive coordinators generally you know, run home to whatever it is they're used to doing. So I, I think it gives them maybe some flexibility. You can switch it up. Maybe there's a game where you play more man against a certain type of quarterback or a certain type of scheme where you want to match up certain receivers against uh, certain cornerbacks. But I think generally speaking, they'll probably continue to play zone. I am curious to see what this defense is going to look like because they do have way more talent this year on defense than they did a year ago. They should be able to get to the quarterback a lot easier with their front four, which should allow them to play a more effective zone than they played last year. They just, they didn't get any pressure from their front four, from their front seven. And I think they're going to get more pressure this year, which will, allow Gannon's zone defense maybe to be more effective than it was a year ago. Yeah. Is there um, the only concern defensively um, to me from a talent standpoint is, is safety. Um, And I'm kind of, um, it's almost gotten to the point where Marcus Epps has crossed this imaginary line. And I'm a big, Jody will tell you, I'm a big Epsy guy. I was on that train early, but Mm -hmm. I'll also say, Look, he hasn't proven anything to this point. Yeah. I think he's got a good chance to be a good player in this league, but it's still uncertainty. And we kind of know what Anthony Harris is at this time of uh, this point of his career, uh, knows what he's doing. But you talked about those splash plays, and you're 100% right. The Eagles, the only two stats they correlate winning to are turnovers and explosive plays. They, they constantly say it. Those are the only two statistics that correlate to winning football games consistently from yeah. week to week. If you win both those battles, you're going to win the game. Um, it, so from that standpoint, they have all these different playmakers, but there's this issue on the back end. Typically, when you talk about protecting, you can protect linebackers with safeties. You can protect cornerbacks with, with safeties. You can't protect safeties with cornerbacks or linebackers. Mm-hmm. It's got to be the pass rush that helps the safety. Are 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 those guys not good enough on the back end, or do you think it'll be competent at least? I right now I'm leaning towards it being competent because I do feel there were options out there in the offseason if they were really unsure of what their safeties would give them. We saw they went out and got Bradbury because they were unsure what their number two cornerback was going to look like, or their number three cornerback situation was going to look like. They didn't have that same concern with the safety room. And they have been, you know, there were players out there that they could have been more aggressive. Well, they wanted Marcus after. Williams, John. They, they did. Wanted, they wanted Marcus Williams. They kicked the tires on Tyron Mathow. They didn't, you know, it was probably going to be too expensive. Yeah. They, they tried to get better at safety and Jaquaski tart, which yep. 
I don't know yep. what to think of Joukowsky Tart at this stage, but yeah, they they indicated they know there was a potential issue. They just sometimes you can't get stuff done. I mean, sometimes yep. Baltimore outbids you. Um, uh, Honey Badger wants to go home, and you got to make do. But they did sort of indicate that uh, we we probably better get better at safety. Yeah, I just feel like there's probably always going to be one aspect of your team you're just not going to be able to load up on and you know they've loaded up pretty much everywhere else and and safety was i guess if they if there are any lingering concerns about safety that's probably one of the areas where they're thinking okay you're right let's get the pass rush we got reddick to get to the quarterback you know brandon graham's back uh, they're hoping josh sweat takes another step forward uh, and they hope jordan davis can get that rush up up the middle with with hargrave and 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 get to the quarterback so that the safeties aren't as big a deal and you know we'll see how jonathan gannon schemes it up too uh what he does with the safeties i i'm more i think tart is going to end up being a pretty good player for this team i know he hasn't no. looked very good in games and uh, he's he's kind of had a quiet camp but he's a veteran guy who i think when the when when the when the real games begin, when things really get going, I think he's, he's probably a guy who will emerge as, as one of the two starters. And I got uh, bad news for Eagle fans who are sitting home optimistically thinking how he's going to get somebody, how he's going to Chuck Clark, not coming. Baltimore's yeah. not trading him. They're going to play three safeties. Got it from a pretty good source. And I had a Cincinnati uh, reporter on my national show on Sunday who said, yeah, Jesse came in today. Did he show up today? He said it was a foregone conclusion. He's been in constant (laughs) contact with his teammates, even though he's taken advantage of not having to be at camp because he can't be fined because he never signed his tender. Smart guy, by the way. Smart guy. Yeah, of course. And he was coming in all along. So those who had uh, visions of a star safety coming in at the last minute via Howie Roseman trade, yet neither one of those two things were or are happening anytime soon. So it's going to be the guys uh, that are in the building. We'll see if them any of them turn out to be. That's the back end. John, are you going to find yourself this year, because I fear I might, spending too much time looking at the interior defense just to see what oh, yeah. havoc Jordan Davis <laughs> yeah. is running on yeah. the other team's defensive line. I mean, that's all you I got to kind of follow the football. That's what you do as a football. You got to no. watch the football, and I fear I'm going to miss some stuff because I'm going to be zeroed in on Jordan Davis. Do you have the same fear? Uh, I'm going to chime in before John, because I want to hear your thoughts, but I, I'll, all I do is watch Jordan Davis from my personal perspective. Yeah. And, and it was interesting because he was so dominant against the Jets and he didn't play as well against the Browns, which I think part is because they played more 40 fronts, more four man fronts. And they were trying to make him, you know, try it's preseason. They're trying to let him do, you know, work on some stuff like the pitcher trying to add the curveball to his repertoire. Uh, they're trying to get him to work on some stuff. But you saw when he's not dominating, Davion Taylor, um, um, Sean Bradley, Nicobe Dean, they got blockers on them. It's a whole different ball game. And Cleveland was running the football at will. Uh, Jordan Davis is so important to this team. And all I do is watch him. John, sorry. I had to break <laughs> No, that's that's fine, and I think you're right. I think he's just going to be he's going to be a fascinating guy on that line to watch, and how much how much pressure they're able to to get up the middle. Uh, I, I think you'll also see when Hargrave's out there, and I don't know what Fletcher Cox is going to give him this year, but Milton Williams is out there. When they've got some of the other starters out there with him, uh, they won't be able to give Davis 
as much attention as maybe Cleveland was able to give him in this last game. Uh, and I do think it is going to be fascinating to, to see how he's able to disrupt things because um, I just, you know, I, I go back to the buddy Ryan days and I just, remember Jerome Brown and the havoc that he was causing up the middle. And, you know, we saw Fletcher Cox in his prime do the same thing. And uh, the, the Eagles have had a, a run of really good defensive tackles over the years. It's, it's amazing how we've, I mean, how do you beat Tom Brady? How do you, how did you used to beat Peyton Manning? How do you beat yeah, these right up quarterbacks? The yeah. You get them up the middle that you get in their face so that they cannot get the ball outside. So they can't do what they want to do. And, and if Jordan Davis, the knock coming out of college was that he just, he didn't rush the passer all that much. And of course the argument was he wasn't asked to do that all that much. And so I think as the, as the season goes along, you might see that develop more as he gets comfortable playing in the NFL and he gets coached up. I think one of the underrated aspects of the Eagles is I think the assistant coaches have done a really good job coaching up players at the pro level. I think we think that when a, a player comes to the pros out of college, that they're mostly a finished product. And in some cases, that's yeah. true. But I think with the Eagles, we see they do a pretty good job, especially Stoutland, of course. But other guys, they seem to really be able to coach some of these guys up. And I think that Jordan Davis will get better as the season goes along, as he gets coaching here at the pro level. All right. Last one for me, John. And we appreciate you jumping on board with us. Uh, always do. And we'll certainly get you on during the season. Well, actually, I got two, but so let me ask the first one first. Um, Jalen Rager, Andre Dillard, two guys with name who've been thrown around plenty for trade possibilities because it just there's no pathway for them to be able to live up to their draft expectations. If they're here, they're not going to play. First round draft pick who can't get on the field. What the hell? If there's another team that likes them enough, isn't it better? to get something for them and have them just sit on the bench and continue to uh, be pointed at and go, oh, and we wasted a first-round pick on that guy? So we know that both have been discussed in trade. Yeah, Either one moved before they get down to the 53-man roster. I don't think Dillard gets moved uh, because I think he provides you some important depth at left tackle. Um, I think if there's a trade to be made, they'll make it, but I don't think they're looking to make one. And I don't think unless somebody suffers an injury, I don't think, I don't think he moves Rager at this point, given how Dion Kane has played and given some of the other guys at, at wide receiver who've been making plays this, this summer, I think there's a probably better chance than not that, that Rager goes just to guess on my part, simply because I feel like he can be another team's number four receiver somewhere. Uh, and there's probably more more options open for a guy like that. I know left tackle is a highly desired spot, and I think I think Dillard can play left tackle. But I think the Eagles know that, and they'll want more than just a sixth round pick for for Andre Dillard. Whereas oh, I yeah. think they'd be willing to let Rager go for a sixth rounder. Um, so yeah, that's, why that's I feel interesting. Like well, they're definitely not letting Andre go for a sixth round. I mean, they would only let Andre Dillard go for a day two pick, and it might have yeah. to be a second round pick, to be honest. Rager's interesting because they've been playing hardball with him as well, um, but I think they would accept conditional four, maybe. I, I don't think they would accept a six, um, but I think I think – I think there's more interest in Jalen Rager than people realize around this league. Um, and me, for one, I want to see him in Green Bay because I think Aaron Rodgers would make Jalen Rager a star. And I know Eagles fans wouldn't like it, but I just want to see it as a science test. I want to see 
<laughs> and if he can't make it with Aaron Rodgers, he can't make it. Now, it, I've heard some other teams, Denver had some issues, lost the receiver, even Dallas, but the Eagles aren't going to want to trade him to Dallas. But if he could somehow get to Green Bay, I would love to see it. I, th- I think Jalen Rager is a change of scenery guy. He's got talent, but it's not going to work here. And the sooner the Eagles recognize that, the sooner, sooner they can move on. But here's my last question. Sorry, I'm getting too wordy here, John. He's the punt returner. He's the kick returner. Yeah. Who, who, who does those roles if Jalen Rager isn't here? Because it hasn't been good with Jalen Rager, without Jalen Rager, yeah. and they don't seem to have an obvious path without him. Yeah, I mean, do you put do you put Huntley back there? I mean, I think you could probably have Huntley return kicks. I mean, kickoff returns are mostly touchbacks anyway. Uh, yeah. I think punt returning, punt returning punt is the area where I think more important. Yeah, it is, and I, I think you know, what is Greg Ward probably the next guy up there? Yeah. Um, do you ask? Do you ask somebody like? I mean, could would you ask? Does Gainwell or Watkins would 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 you have to put one of those guys back there? I mean, I, I think last time I looked at the at the depth chart, they had Britton Covey as their as their number three yeah. punt returner. Um, and so maybe maybe he's a guy who would who would handle that. But you're right, it's that's important. Punt returning is important. We saw that hurt them last year in terms of field position. And uh and Rager didn't do a good job. And so I'm not necessarily anxious to have Rager do it again. Uh, if they have a better option, but the fact that they have him back there seems to indicate to me, they don't have a better option. So you're right from a, from a special team standpoint, you don't want to give Rager away, but at the same time, if somebody's giving you a fourth and I would even say, I would move Rager for a fifth personally. Um, I, I would still do that deal. Even if it meant you kind of had to get creative with punt returning. All right. Uh, this is the last question. I promise. No, you got to get back to work. Um, we'll probably not get you on before the season starts. Chances are BLG will make all you guys come out with a prediction. <laughs> we'll see it yeah. on bleeding green nation. Um, and, or uh, certainly on your podcast, uh, I know mm-hmm. you're going to do one and get on the record Yeah, with the ability to change your mind between now and the next 12 or 13 days when the season starts and people are going to have to get your prediction in other spots. Mm-hmm. We need a Mac and Mac birds, 365 prediction out of you. How many wins Eagles got this year? I think this is a really good team. Uh, I, I don't know that J- that Jalen Hurts is going to be a whole lot better as a passer, but I think with the offense, it's gonna it's gonna you know rise the tide. I think this is an eleven win team. I think this is an eleven and six team. I think this is a division winning team, and I think this is a team that's set up to win a couple of playoff games. So uh, I don't know how far they go exactly. I'm I'm still kind of on the fence as far as how far I want to take them. Uh, but I think I think this is a good roster, and I think the quarterback will play well enough. And I think the schedule really sets up well for them. That if they do play well, if they look as good in the season as they've looked this summer, I think this is an 11 win team, and I think it's a division winning team. Check him out on Bleeding Green Nation and his podcast, Eye on the Enemy. John Stolnitz, appreciate it much. We will certainly be getting you back on once the season gets underway. Appreciate you doing this little preview spot with us today. You bet, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, John. Leading Green Nation here with us on Birds 365. And uh, he's the first of many over the next several shows we do. We're going to get people to go on the record and give us a number. John, you and I were both at 11 uh, previously this year. Uh, I don't know that either one of us has updated our number recently. Said, this is what I believe the Eagles are going to do. 11 is not outrageous. No, it's we're not. already there. But, when... You know, one thing I like about your exercise there, Jody, is you're 
if you had to go back or you had to go forward, I like that part of it. I would, I'm at 11, but I would still lean back than forward. I, yeah, I haven't see, changed that. I would, I would lean toward 12, believe it or not. Here's the main reason why I know we got to get a break in here. Um, you say, Ooh, that's a pretty big improvement from nine wins last year to 11 and maybe even 12 wins this year. Yeah, but it's not because they tanked the last game of the season last year. Had they needed that game, maybe they could have won 10 last year. Maybe yeah, but they, they might the take Cowboys it. They the might take time. this game. I'm not necessarily worried about the, the, you know, to me, it's about good team versus bad team. You're right. They tanked the game. It doesn't matter. Could they have won that game if everybody was playing? Uh, maybe, you know, maybe not, not a given, but not a maybe. A given. Yeah. But I mean, they, they had might... a better chance to beat the Cowboys at home the last week of the regular season, they did the Bucks the next week on the road. Yeah. But they were crazy Eagle fans go, give us the Bucks. We want Brady. Come on, bring on the Bucks. How stupid was that? Uh they they um they might be in a position where they're tanking again, though. So that might affect the actual win total. Yeah. Um uh, but, but so the, to me, it's the, the over under is nine and a half. So you don't have to. Yeah. You're, you, yeah. You'd already have cashed your over ticket if they get to 11 and tank in week 18. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I'd lean backwards because I think they are going to be a playoff team. And they've already shown that if they don't have to play, they're not going to play late in the season. So that's that's even another reason to sort of lean back more than forward, but that's not necessarily that big of a deal. Once you start now, it's different. I was, you know, I still have the 16 games. It's tough to get out of the 16 yeah. game mentality. It's a mindset's been yeah. ingrained in us for yeah. decades, JM. I mean, you start thinking about 12 wins, and I have that 16 game mentality. And right. I'm like, 12 that's and four. Really... Wait, 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 12 and four is that race? No, it's 12 and five. Yeah. And that's a really good team, 12 and four, typically. If you get to 12 and four, that's almost sort of the demarcation line for being really good and good. Yeah, but here's, um, Johnny, here's the good thing. And I know we're, we're running late. I promise we'll, we'll get to a break in a second. Week 18, they don't need the game. We saw the second team unit run the ball up and down the field this past week up against the Browns. They can beat the Giants. Yeah, they can. It's, it's not the Cowboys coming in as a need game like it was this past year. It's going to be the Giants coming to town, and they're going to be beaten down by that point. So yeah, it it may be an uh, an ugly game. It may be one that John McMullen has a tough time covering and coming up with uh, a slant and talking about the game when he's rather going to be talking about the playoff matchup the week after. They can win that last game of the season to get to twelve yeah. against the Giants. Gardner can it's win the that Giants. game. Gardner can win that game too. So agreed. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got we got an hour under our belt. Still with an hour to play. Um, Gray Poupon joining us next Alan, hour. Right? Alan Poupar. Alan Poupar. Little French. Little class. Uh, joining the program. Got to work on that pronunciation. Alan Poupar of Sports Illustrated comes to the Dolphins since Eagles heading down to Miami. He's been covering the team day in and day out, see how they're prepping for the upcoming season, what the Eagles can look for in their joint practices with the Dolphins. Alan's going to join us about 20 minutes from now. Keep it right here on Birds 365.
plan your day with confidence. Definitely want to keep the umbrellas on hand. And keep your family safe with action news and AccuWeather. Numerous tornadoes. Well over seven inches of rain. Your go-to team when severe weather strikes. The water is still rising right now. Keeping you prepared wherever you watch. On TV, on 6abc.com, and on our streaming apps. And that's when we go severe weather mode and on the air for you. Action News and AccuWeather, the team you trust. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
He's John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonough. We are Bird 365, the Mac and Mac guys. Johnny Mac heading down to Miami to be in attendance for both the joint practices the next couple of days and then the game on uh, Saturday. The Eagles do need to cut down to 80 players. As far as you know, John, are they going to announce the cuts ahead of time? Are they taking a player down there? How's that working out? I would not imagine, you know, they're leaving. I don't know when they're leaving, but I can't imagine – uh, they're going to take those five players down to Miami and then say, oh, uh, we're going to let you go and you can't practice tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, I mean, um, they're going to they're going to make it clear. Do you know before. what time the Eagles are leaving today? I, I It's probably I do not question, but I do not. Uh, but um, four o'clock is the deadline. I'm, I'm sure that they're not going to take those five players down to Miami. Right, unless so, you know, you know, unless one of them is from Miami, maybe they give him a ride home. Give him a ride. That, yeah. That'd be very nice of them. Yeah. Uh, all right. Speaking of, if one of them, I need you to tell me who those those five are going to be. Uh, it's, again, yeah, I, 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 you know, I think a lot of it has to do with health. Remember, uh, you know, because you don't want any of the deference players playing, um, so it's going to be really difficult for guys. Um, who can't play in the actual preseason game. I I was, you know, you you look at the who who got here the latest. Uh it would be right tackle Jared Williams, uh, who <clears throat> if you remember, <clears throat> excuse me, uh he was brought back. He was signed as an undrafted free agent, but he was brought back when uh, Jordan Mailata and Andre Dillard both had the concussions, concussions at the same right. time, and he was brought back because they needed a body. Well, they don't really need that body anymore, so to me, he would be a likely one. Same thing with DeAndre Torrey at running back. He was brought in because uh, Kenny Gainwell was dealing with a hip, and Boston Scott had a concussion. Now, those guys are back, and even though Miles is sort of out with the hamstring, you can get through a game with with a little bit of Boston Scott and a lot of Jason Huntley and uh, uh, Kennedy, Brooks. Kennedy Brooks. So he would be a likely guy uh, to me. Then I start looking at other positions, cornerback. They have so many cornerbacks. Um, and I think Josh Job has kind of made his run toward the roster and um, – also bringing in Ugi, uh, Ugo Amadi, uh, hat tip to Rob Amadi, who will be here to, uh, tomorrow, I believe, on the program, Joe. Correct. Um, they, they've kind of shifted that cornerback position because Ugo has played corner. He hasn't played safety at all. He's played corner. Um, and so I look at the back end of that group, and I see Josh Blackwell and Mario Goodrich, the undrafted kids, and I say, one of those is probably going to go to have more outside corners than inside corners. So maybe I pick Goodrich, but it could be either one. Um, Christian Ellis, I thought he was a candidate to go from 90 to 85 because he hasn't been healthy and he's still not healthy. Uh, and unless he's ready to go. So he's a guy who's not going to be able to play in the game. So unless he's back tomorrow at practice, he could be a waived injured candidate, uh, would I think be the more likely 
situation for him. Uh, and then wide receiver, a uh, lot of numbers there. So you say, okay, who who's the first to go at wide receiver? I think Devin Allen saved himself for another week with the home run in Cleveland. And maybe they want to see him return a kick or something. You know, maybe just try it. Same thing with Britton Cubby. He hasn't really done much, but I think they want to look at him as a returner uh, still in case they move Jalen Rager. Um, John Hightower, it's time. John Hightower. Uh, you and I have four of the five same guys. Um, the only one that I, I would probably go in another direction is because they didn't cut Ellis last time when he was hurt and going from 85 uh, down yeah. to 80, there must be something they really like about him and that they want to give him one last chance to take one last look at him. And I, I think he's going to survive another week. I think Kobe Smith, and I saw him, he played yeah, a, that's a goodly good amount last week, and he didn't make any plays. Uh, there were a bunch of guys that fell into that category for me last week that this was kind of your make it or break it week. Now, I, I, I don't think either one of them going to be on there. When we get to 53, all these names are going to be really easy. Cut, 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 cut. But this week, there's some debate on it. And Kobe Smith has shown me nothing. You're there every day at practice. Yeah, that's Maybe a good one. That's a good one. Uh, and you're right about Ellis. I thought about that as well. I was like, well, why didn't they cut him? 90 to 85. Um, so yeah, wouldn't be, wouldn't surprise me if Kobe Smith, um, uh, is one of them. That's a, that's a good one. So there's, there's a number of names fans should be looking for, but the only splashy thing that could happen at this deadline would be a, a trade. You see some of the trades starting up our old friend, Nick Mullins, uh, gets oh. traded. Uh, big Jody. How uh, bad Jody are the McAfee. Vikings? Oh, they're what, backup quarterback. What that, and I know a, you're a Cousins guy, and you're right. He's a high-volume guy. And, well, no, Cousins ain't the issue. It's the issue if right. he gets hurt. And, I mean, and when I'm taking it the next step about the Eagles playing the Vikings week two, if Cousins goes down, the oh. Eagles are going to win by four touchdowns. Yeah, Nick Mullins Nick, can't Nick play. Mullins. How do you actually give up? I know it's only a conditional seven, but how do you give up a pick for a guy like that? I'd, well, I'd, that's rather out wait, there. I'd rather wait a week and get reached the net off the waiver wire than to that's, trade for Nick Mullins. That's how bad their backup quarterback situation is. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't realize. I mean, I mean, they they have Sean Mannion and Kellen Mund, uh, who has just been an abject disaster as a third-round pick. Um, and that's one I was right about. Everyone say you take the victory lap, you take yours, I take mine. We don't do it often. Yeah. When we want to do it, we do it. Yeah. I, I didn't think Kellen. Yeah, you could take. Play. And people take... liked him coming out in the draft. Yeah. Oh, he should have been drafted higher. No, he shouldn't have. And now we've seen why he went as low as he did. And for my money, he was even drafted a little higher where the Vikings took him than I thought. Yeah, I think, done. you know, the one thing when they drafted him, everybody's like, well, Mike Zimmer's a defensive guy. He doesn't pay attention to the offense. Now they have the Kevin O'Connell who's been touched by the hand of the grace of God, uh, Sean McVay. Uh, and he can't do anything with him. So that tells you all you need to know there. Um Nick Mullins was out in San Francisco with the GM. It's one of those things. He was in Cleveland um, as well with with Quezzy, so he knows him. 
it's one of those things. But also, uh, Cody Long got traded. Cody Long got traded uh, from Buffalo to Arizona. So those trades are starting to uh, bubble up is what I was trying to say. So be on the lookout for the Jalen Rager stuff. It could happen any time from this point forward. And I get the point you made about uh, some of the people with the Vikings uh, have a familiarity with Nick Mullins. Don't you ever get like a bad vibe from a guy? <laughs> like you had him and you saw yeah, him thanks. play and you was around and you go, oh, spit, this guy can't play. I'm not picking him up. Just because you had him previously, it means you're obligated to make the same mistake again when you acquired him the first time? Really? doesn't mean you're obligated it just means uh yeah yeah i mean there's a lot of bad backup quarterback i don't think people real like i always say i i don't think people realize um how many bad uh backup quarterbacks there are i don't think people realize how many bad offensive lines there are in this league and the eagles have the luxury of having a really deep offensive line a really good backup quarterback and, you know, people are kill, killing Gardner Minshew. Is Reed Sinnott going to – you read some of that stuff. I don't want to pick on guys. Is Reed Sinnott going to break out – going to beat out Gardner Minshew? No, not in a million stinking years uh, would that happen because at least Gardner knows how to play the position. Can uh, And he's exactly what you want in a backup quarterback, a guy who can come in for a game or two, get you over the hump, uh, make sure the offense doesn't go off the rails. Um, yeah, it's there's not 32 starters. There are literally 32 starters in this league, but there aren't 32 quarterbacks in the world who deserve to be NFL starters. Now, let me let me ask you a quick question because we got uh, Alan Popar joining us uh, briefly uh, from Sports Illustrated, who covers the Dolphins. Here's one of the questions I'm going to ask him. Um, I had never heard of Chris Strebler before from South Dakota. Um, he has now won two weeks in a row games late for the New York Jets. Yeah. Been, not first, not second, not third, fourth team quarterback. He's come in, made some big plays, rallied the Jets over the Eagles last week and last night, brought him back from the edge of defeat against the Falcons and got a W. He was on the Dolphins practice squad last year. Oh, was he? I, I don't know this guy a little bit. So was and, Reed. That's where Reed, they're a quarterback factory. That's where Reed Sinet came from. That's true. Maybe he beat out Chris Strebler. Uh, if that's the case, shame on the Dolphins. Oh, too. we got to ask. That's another Alan thing now. we'll ask Allen because this kid's look good two games in a row. Uh, yeah. The Jets' fourth-string quarterback is better than the Vikings' second-string quarterback because he's sure as hell better than Nick Mullins. I'd tell you that right now. Yeah, I'm I quarter backup quarterbacks or Nick Mullins is I think you're too harsh on Nick Mullins. Can't play. But, he can't play. You know what when, when he came here, he was coming off uh I think it was elbow surgery. It was either elbow or shoulder. He he couldn't throw the ball when he was here. He's getting healthier. He he played okay as a backup in San Francisco. They, gonna... they won. They won because of their defense. They won. You're not a big Jimmy G guy. Jimmy G can do laps around Nick Mullins. Oh, I agree with that. But I'm just saying he did okay as a backup quarterback. There's a lot of crappy backup quarterbacks, Jody. A lot of bad backup quarterbacks. There are some. 
right. Uh, he's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. We're going to take a quickie timeout. Come back. Alan Popar from Sports Illustrated, who covers the Dolphins. McMullen's going to run into him on the sidelines uh, tomorrow or the day after. Hopefully. Or, uh, you know, we're all, I got to get down there, hopefully. If the plane gets him there, true. Uh, travel permitting, uh, Johnny Mack will be down there. We know Alan's going to be there because all he's got to do is drive over to the practice facility. He's driving now. We'll get him live from his car next here on Birds 365. <laughs> your day with confidence definitely want to keep the umbrellas on hand and keep your family safe with action news and accuweather numerous tornadoes well over seven inches of rain your go-to team when severe weather strikes the water is still rising right now keeping you prepared wherever you watch on tv on 6abc.com and on our streaming apps. And that's when we go severe weather mode and on the air for you action news and accuweather the team you trust. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. And joining us is an unshaven Bill Belichick. What the hell? Oh, no, it's Alan Popar. Johnny Mac, is he a Belichick lookalike or what? Yeah, well, hope, uh, he's got the same football acumen as Bill Belichick. I don't know wow. if you can say Thank that. Thank you. I'll a, take that. Thank yeah. you. We, we, we can't say that to a Dolphins guy, though, can we? 
Yeah, we can. If he, if if that's what you see with your own two eyes, got to get a shave in there to look like Belichick. Uh, repeat after me, Alan. We're in a process. Don't ask me that question. If you can say that, then you could be Bill Bel. You could fill in for Belichick this afternoon. We're on to Cincinnati. <laughs> <laughs> that's we go. Well, yes. we in Philadelphia, we're on to it. Miami, so we're going to see there your you team. So, um, tell us what we're going to see. What 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 are the Dolphins good at? What are the concerns? What are what is Philadelphia walking into to get this joint practice work that everybody loves so much in this league, Alan? Yeah, well, what they're walking into is a whole lot of hype over expectations with the arrival of head coach Mac McDaniel, with the acquisition of Tyreek Hill, to a lesser degree with the acquisition of Teron Armstead to help solidify what was a bad offensive line in 2021, with the hope that Tua Tango Vailoa takes a big step forward in his third NFL season after two meh, meh seasons. And it's pretty much all about the offense. And on the other side of the ball is is pretty much what we've seen the last couple of years from this Dolphin defense because they have every starter back from last year. The defensive coordinator was retained uh, after head coach Brian Flores was fired. So logically, they shouldn't change a whole lot because they were successful for the most part. And again, like I said, they have 11 starters back on defense, plus they added veteran Melvin Ingram and a rookie third-round pick, Channing Tindall from Georgia. So that's a very brief overview of what you're looking at here with the Dolphins. Is this the right coaching staff to get the most out to it, Tungavaloa, as compared to the previous coaching staff, in your opinion? Yeah, well, yeah, that seems to be the popular opinion. But here's the thing, though. First of all, we haven't played a regular season game. Number two, I think the, no- the notion that the Dolphins didn't do everything in their power last year to maximize what Tua does is completely ridiculous. Uh, starting with the idea that they brought in in the offseason, Charlie Fry is a quarterback coach, uh, and he's a guy who had a relationship with Tua from 11-on-11 tournaments back in the day. Everything they did on offense, they geared toward Tua, which were basically a lot of quick, short passes, which plays to extreme because he's got short to intermediate accuracy, doesn't have the big arm. Um, so, and then they added Jalen Waddle. So the notion that the Dolphins didn't do anything to try to help Tua in 2021 is, like I said, it's completely ridiculous. Now you're bringing, you're bringing a, a, a head coach who's an offensive guy as opposed to Brian Flores, who's very well known for his very creative run game scheme. And obviously if the run game is better, that's going to help the play action passing, which also is something that's going to help Tua. Uh, you are looking at perhaps the biggest Tua fan in the country, and not me. Uh, that would be Jody Mack, Allen. Uh, he's a big Tua guy. So now you have Tyree Kill, uh, who we know is one of the biggest game breakers in the NFL. Um, Jalen Waddles, you mentioned. Uh, Mike Kosicki's a heck of a receiving tight end. And at least on paper, uh, they have really upgraded that offensive line with Ron Armstead when he's healthy. He's one of the best left tackles in the game. I think Eichenberg is probably better inside. We'll see how Connor Williams, Austin Jackson is talented. Um, no excuses left for Tua. Is that uh, fair to say? Is this it? Either he sinks or swims? Well, not only that, 
you also remember this is his third year. So next year you get into a situation where, okay, now they can give him a contract extension if they think he's the guy. And also you're dealing with the fifth year option, uh, which the Dolphins will have to make a decision on by May 1st. I think it is, or May 2nd, May 3rd, those days. Uh, yeah, without question, this is a make or break year for Tua. Um, I think we I think we should know what Tua is as a quarterback. I mean, if I'm going to be perfectly blunt, um, again, he's got physical limitations that was should have been clear from the time he was at Alabama. Uh, he can make things happen with a great supporting cast around him, which is the idea that this is what they have now. And it's also a system. If we're judging by what they what they brought in from San Francisco, it's a system that's very QB friendly. And all you have to do is look back at Jimmy Garoppolo posting 100 passer ratings in that system, which is also similar to what the Rams do. And, and you look at Jared Goff posting 100 passer rating. And I don't think either of those quarterbacks has ever been accused of being a great player. So it's all there for two what to deliver. My expectation is he's going to put up big numbers, uh, much better numbers than he did in his first two seasons. Uh, and without necessarily becoming a franchise quarterback, though I'm not ruling that as, as a possibility. Yeah, you're a harsh grader. I'm a bigger, uh, <laughs> as John said, to a fan than you are, and I'm not a Dolphin fan, but I think the kid could flat-out play. And, oh, he used to be able to throw the long ball at Alabama. We'll see if he can do it this year with a guy like Tyreek Hill who can get behind the defense. I think he'll be perfectly fine showing that he's got long ball capabilities in that. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. If I may interject. Sure, Uh, If if you notice, I never didn't say a thing about the long ball capability. If he's got great protection and his receiver gets behind the defense, absolutely can throw the the long ball without question. But two things. Number one, look at Tyreek Hill's numbers from last year. I, and I actually, I went through every single one of his targets, and there were very few completions over the top. That's number one. Number two, when I mentioned Tua's arm strength being an issue, I'm not talking about the long pass because he's going to hit those. We've seen those in practice. Where it comes into play is throwing outside the numbers, having to zip a ball down the field so the defenders can't close in on it and break it up, and then having to throw if his feet aren't set, like, for example, if you saw the Josh Allen touchdown pass on Sunday where he kind of reset and his feet were not completely set when he threw the ball and he basically threw a 30-yard pass on a rope. Well, Tua can't do that. that I'm not saying every quarterback in the NFL can. But I was going to say, how many, how many quarterbacks can? Mahomes but Tua doesn't come close to doing that. But Tua doesn't come close to doing that. So that's where the arm strength's an issue for me. Yeah, it's interesting because we're going through the – there's so many connections between Jalen Hurts and Tua going back to Alabama. And Jalen's kind of in the same boat in the fact that the Eagles got him, A.J. Brown. They have the good offensive line. They have the good tight end. Everything's in place, and it's, all right, sink or swim. So it's very similar in both situations. But one thing I'm impressed and I'm interested – from your take with Jalen Hurts, I'm I'm so impressed with him as a young player, as the leader, as the schooling he got from Nick Saban and Alabama's to have that kind of thing, those intangibles. Is he that same type of leader? Uh everybody talks about. I see you shaking your head. So maybe Yeah. Yeah, I'm not seeing it. And mind you, if you read some of the local reporting down here, they're gonna say, well, well hell hell yeah, he's a leader and all that. Well, that a lot of it is based of asking teammates, what signs have you seen of Tua becoming a better leader? 
And the player, as you well know, is going to answer something positive and he's going to say something. All of a sudden, the headline is Tua becoming a leader. Really? I mean, uh, I don't necessarily see it. He does not have an alpha personality in the least. Um, I look at him for, I'll, I'll use Joe Burrow as an example. Does anybody think Joe Burrow is wildly gifted? I don't. The thing, though, he's got like moxie, like, I mean, up the wazoo. He is just like a A-plus personality where guys are going to rally around him and he just, he might make everybody better simply just because of his personality. Two was not that guy. Um, that Will that change in 2022 if they start having success? Maybe. But in the first two years, I haven't seen that. All right. So Tyree Kell is just giving you guys what, what he thinks you want to hear. That's what you're saying. Because he has bent over backwards to say good things about Tua, both on the field, his physical capabilities and the like, and as a leader of those teams. He's just feeding you guys what you want to hear? I'll tell you what. You hire me, give me $72 million. I will, <laughs> I will sing your praises like nobody's business. Um, no, the dude got paid. He's on a new team, and he has said himself, that part of what he wants to do, he says, part of what makes me great is I'm confident and all that, and I want all of my teammates to be confident. So what's he going to do? He's going to pump the tires of his teammates. So if he's asking about Tua, it's going to be hyperbole over hyperbole. I mean, yeah, it, that, it, it, that, it, yeah. that makes no, sense. I mean, You're right with the big contract. and you know, Players are going to talk up their own guys. It was kind of silly. When Tua, uh, when Tyreek Hill said, you know, Tua, what he said he was more accurate than Patrick Mahomes, I yes. believe. No, hold on, hold on. This is exactly what he said. And you tell me exactly how much impact this should have. He said he's probably the most accurate player I've played with. Okay. Uh, and then, okay, now you go, who's he played with? Patrick Mahomes, Chad Henney's the backup there, uh, Alex Smith was there, and then his guys in college at. Okie State and where else he played. It's not exactly a large group. That's number one. And then number two, he had practiced. When he said that, he had practiced maybe three times with two of practice, never in a, in a game. So, yeah. I mean, those comments really, I mean, I wrote a comment about it at the, at the time that those types of comments should be taken with a grain of salt. Any teammate compliment to begin with yeah. should be taken with a grain of salt. And those were even over the top. And the head coach Mike McDaniel is doing the same thing. And the MO there is very clear. They're trying to instill confidence in the guy by pumping his tires every chance they get. Um, particularly when he's, when he's coming off playing a head coach who didn't think he was a great player. So they're trying to do everything they can it, with their words, with the team's actions and the acquisitions to give two of the best chance to succeed possible. Night. Uh... You don't sound very high on the Dolphins coming in this year. How much of that is? Oh, I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know. Okay. I don't have a feel for this team. I do not have a feel for this team. Fine. I'm. I'm reading between the lines a little bit on on your stances on uh, what the guys are doing, what the guys are saying. How difficult it is it is it for those guys with the shaky ownership that this team has? Find because of tampering and Steven and doing everything he's done and, and they're going to pay a price down the road and losing traffic and like, how much does that affect the team on a day in day out basis that they've had to deal with the entire off season, the way it's played out with their owners, foolish mistakes. Not one bit. I don't think the player 
excuse my French, only the player gives a rat's, a rat's ass. Okay. Uh, where, where the only place where it's going to come into play is if we go through 2022, the Dolphins decide Tua is not the guy moving forward. Tom now Brady. they lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, yeah, well, yeah, that's a one year solution. If that, and, but now they also lost the extra, extra draft capital that they had. I mean, they had two first next year. Now they've lost one of those two because of the tampering. So that it's going to affect them in that sense. As far as players on this year's team, I, I don't buy for a millisecond. If anybody wants to sell me that it's going to have a negative impact. I don't buy that for a second. What, what, Alan, what are your early thoughts on Mike McDaniel? It's always a, a, a learning on the job type thing for everybody. Very young coach, very unique personality. We saw it at the combine that started there. Um, what have you seen your early thoughts on, on, on a young coach coming in there with a team that has a chance to be, as you mentioned, you, you don't have a great feel for them. They have a chance to be really good or they have a chance to underachieve. Yeah. I mean, he's pretty much as advertised, which was like a very smart guy, a quirky personality. Um, deep down though, he's kind of same like as every other coach, he's kind of, plays it close to the vest in terms of what he says to the media. He just does it in a different way, again, with self-deprecating, self sense of humor, the quick quips, um, and also explain things. If you ask him, like, philosophical football questions, you're going to get great stuff from him. As far as the scheme, again, everybody raves about the white zone and his innovations within that, con that concept. The problem is, is we've, we're still in the preseason. And their running game, which has been horrible in the preseason, the first two games, has been extraordinarily vanilla. We talk about yeah. defensive coaches who don't scheme on defense. Well, I don't think Mike McDaniel has shown anything uh, in terms of the running game yet. So it's it's too early for me to pass judgment on what kind of coach is going to be X's and O's in terms of, a, of his personality. Yeah, he's like a regular – he's like a typical coach in the sense that like he's a control freak, as all those guys are. Uh, <laughs> Close to the vest in terms of what he reveals to the media, except he does it in a nice, friendly manner. All right, let me follow up on McDaniel here, and I guess it's kind of a uh, rehash of the question I asked previously. You answered about the players. Is McDaniel affected by the upheaval at the ownership level? Because uh, the reason they lost that draft pick is in part the fact that the owner wanted Sean uh, – Peyton to coach the team and that uh, while he was still under contract to the Saints they were having conversations they weren't supposed to have well he had to go out and hire McDaniel but Peyton is now available he's not the coach of the Saints anymore he's going to do a year of TV and he's going to be sitting there is McDaniel's looking over his shoulder because of the owner's previous stances uh yeah I guess he only he can answer that question here's the thing though he's He's not been shy about saying this is a lifelong dream for him. Uh, and he's just living the dream right now. So I, I kind of get the feeling, and he's got the self-confidence, I kind of get the feeling that he's not worried about that, that he's just focusing on proving the Dolphins got the right guy and that he's confident that that's what's, that's what's going to happen and that Sean Payton is going to become an afterthought pretty soon. Alan, is that a Montreal Expos hat? There we Absolutely. go. Now, Absolutely. You're, you're a Montreal guy. My buddy Ed Kratz tells me you, you tells me you're from Montreal. So I have to get some Montreal questions in. I'm so you first of all, I gotta get a UP question in as a UP. <laughs> I love the uh, 
the old the old uh, Expo's mascot. But uh, mm -hmm. um, how did you get down to uh, Florida covering the Miami Dolphins? Oh man, that, wow! A little life history here. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? I have to change yeah. my connection pattern. Um, no, I actually moved on here in, in the 80s, long, long time ago when I was just but a young pup, uh, and then got into journalism. So that's how that came about. But yeah, born and raised in Montreal, huge fan of, of the Expos. Uh, UP, the greatest mascot ever, though I, I can accept, <laughs> I can accept our arguments for the Philly Fanatic. The San Diego chicken is probably the right answer. No, if the Philly fanatic is. I'm a, homer. <laughs> I'm a homer when it comes to mascots. All right, seems like you got to get to work. I, I got to get the Philly fanatic as an alternative. To UP. Fair enough. I got one uh, more Canadian question for you before we let you go. Chris Strebler. He was on the Dolphins roster there for about three or four months. They picked him up uh, back in like January this year, then turn around, cut him before cap. Then he lands with the Jets. He's won two games for the Jets this year. How'd they let a good Canadian like Chris Strebler go when the Dolphins actually had him on their roster? Oh, I think we lost Alan. Oh, we lost him. He's walking in, but you know, I got some Intel. I, he, I guess he's walking into practice. So, I guess they're going to practice at 10 because uh, I can't – the Eagles won't tell us when they're going to practice. So I wanted to get that in with Alan. I wanted to get some logistical. Yeah, see, Dolphins, I know that'll be – The Dolphins can practice today because they're not traveling. The Eagles have to travel yeah. today. So if the Dolphins are dictating terms as to uh, what time the joint practice is going to start, yeah, I guess you can – Draw yeah, a probably... conclusion that 10 is a possibility, but I, do you think the Browns practiced at 2 o'clock every day? Yeah, they did. They do. Yeah, Leading up weird. to the yeah. joint practices, up, they're always their... an afternoon practicing yeah. team. And we all looked at yeah. them like they were nuts, yeah. Right. Um, so hope, hope, hopefully, but we, I still can't get clearance. I was hoping to get – I'm sure listeners are interested in that, but, yeah, he's got the Expos hat. Yuppie, interesting. Uh yeah, I gotta go San Diego chicken. Come on, I can't. No, the, I'm never. The, huh, the uh, fanatic is far and away the greatest. He's not only the greatest baseball mascot; he's the greatest mascot right. I, in the I history think, of mascots. I think Yuppie was so good that he still exists. I think they moved him to the hockey team or something, didn't they? Not that I know of. I gotta look that up. That's the case. Um, by the way. For those of you streaming in here on Birds 365, thank you very much for doing so. While you're at it, go ahead and hit the like button. Come on, you haven't done it yet today. Show your boys, Johnny Mac and Johnny Mac, a little love. Hit the like button. Um, for those of you who from time to time think that one of the two of us or both of us might not be quite as optimistic as you want us to be for your hometown Philadelphia Eagles, John and I just shoot straight. We tell you what we think. We're not here to sugarcoat anything or bring out the pom-poms and be cheerleaders. Except with mascots. Uh, no, I, I I firmly believe that. According to, to – and I'm only going according to Wikipedia, so it's not official. But as of now, it says the Canadians announced that UP would become the official first official mascot of the organization. Well, uh, when When was that? Um, 2005. So the Canadians brought him. I don't know if he still is, uh, but yeah, 
He seems to be the official mascot of the Canadians, so he's still around. All right, so you need a Wikipedia update that says he's still the mascot. They might have done that in 2005 just because the Expos were saying Sayonara were going south, uh, so they threw him No, because and... they still have the, on, on 2012 in the first home game after the death of Gary Carter, UP wore Expos colors, so he's been doing it 2014. Yeah, he's doing it. Okay, he's still so doing he's it. still in there. Huh? Huh? Funny, I haven't seen him in a... I'm, I'm not searching out Canadian games to watch on a nightly basis, but I've never seen him in a Canadian game. Um, what I was going to say before uh, we got off on a mascot <laughs> tangent, um, you might not like us. We don't uh, wave the pom-poms every single day. Holy mackerel, does he hate his football team? Yeah, Allen was Talk harsh. about great pom all me, over but... everything. Oh, he, he, Tua doesn't have the arm strength. Everybody's just giving you the pap that you want to hear. They're all full of B. Oh, my God. I like Allen. I like Allen. I like objectivity. I, I, I like honesty, and I like hard-cutting opinions. I just think he's wrong. Plain and um, simple. I think on, he's on, underestimating where the Dolphins are at coming into this year. Well, they, you're... They, they, listening to him, that sounded like a 4-13 and 13 team to me. Yeah, I mean, I I I think it's a talented uh, roster. I think they're very similar to the Eagles. I really do. Right, I think and we they got, got the a, Eagles winning eleven, big guy. Yeah, and I could have the Dolphins in that range. I think they have a really talented roster. They improved that offensive line. They have all the weapons. You know, Tyree Kill being there, AJ Brown, different type of AJ Brown. But you add them to they already had Jalen Waddle. They already had Mike Kosicki. Similar thing at running back to the Eagles. It's almost weird. They they run the ball well, but they don't have that great runner. Um, now, they haven't run it well the preseason, as Allen said, but who cares? Um, they run the same Vic Fangio-inspired defense, the Eagles run. Um, yeah, it's weird. They're almost carbon copies of each other with the two Alabama quarterbacks to boot. The reason why the Eagles will win more games than the Dolphins, as similar as the two two teams are, and I think you did a good job of pointing that out. Oh, they're in a much tougher division. Yeah, they got they got Buffalo sitting yeah. on top of them. The Eagles have the Cowboys, who I think they've either caught or surpassed. Um, yeah, they both got a New York team that can't play the Jets and Giants, but uh, the other team is comparing. The Washington Commodores or Commanders or Commies or whatever you want to call them. Mac now calls them Commies. I love that. Um, the Washington Commies against Bill Belichick's uh, coach, New England Patriots. So, yeah. Oh, Miami's got more of their work cut out for them because they're in a tougher division than the Eagles. If they're two similar teams, Eagles are going to win more games because they're not going to be pushed as hard by their schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, certainly think Buffalo is um, the best. If you put the both divisions together, that's the best team. So um, yeah, it's definitely, it's a more difficult road. We talked about the Eagles schedule. Eagles have an easy schedule that plays into it as well. But yeah, from just from a team perspective, it's kind of weird where these two teams are, uh, you know, now, Nick Sirianni's in his second year. Mike McDaniel's in his first year, but you even have that aspect of it. Two young coaches, two offensive guys. Um, 
with those young quarterbacks brought in to help those young quarterbacks. A lot of similarities. Now, where the Eagles have another big advantage is, as you kind of mentioned a couple times, organizationally, the Dolphins are dressed. Yeah, a mess. And the Eagles have a really solid foundation. They make mistakes, but, you know, they're a really solid organization. Um, And the Dolphins are all over the place. Look, people could say, and people can downplay it, and you mentioned up the the you you mentioned the Sean Payton stuff. They wanted stinking Tom Brady to be the quarterback. They were trying to backdoor it to the two Michigan men getting together. Tom's living down there now, by the way. Um, he he he. They were going to offer him ownership stake in the team. That was what that whole retirement thing was about, to wrangle his way to Miami. Yeah, but yeah, let me let me ask you a question about that, because the Brady thing has gone 92 different directions in the past however many months. Brady retires. I think he retired because he was ticked off that he was thinking about it, and it uh, got out there into the ether, and Schefter <clears throat> and whoever else was from ESPN report. He was retiring. So he was like, oh, yeah, you know what? I'll retire. Then I'll come back just to prove you idiots wrong. Because I'm when I retire, I'm going to retire on my terms. It's not going to be breaking news on ESPN. No, no. Tom Brady's going to take to Twitter or Instagram or whatever else. And I'm going to retire myself. Uh, the hell with you guys deciding my retirement. But he gets retired. He's down for 40 days, whatever it was. Giselle makes him do whatever he's got to do. Not a bad thing to take marching orders from your supermodel wife but if he so desperately wanted to be a dolphin why didn't he do tom brady like things to make it happen you're retired you tell tampa listen either i'll stay retired or you'll trade me to miami because that's where i want to go that's why i want to finish off my career us michigan guys want to get together or this whole crazy story dana white over the weekend yeah, oh, I had a game, I had a, a deal in place for Brady to join the Raiders, but John Gruden put a kibosh on it. Well, that was true when Brady retired. Why didn't he jump back in and go, yo, Dana, let's, Gruden's gone. Let's get that Raider thing done. Look who's the coach in Raiders. My former offensive coordinator from New England. Yeah. He's now the coach. Let's get that Raider yeah. thing well, done. I like, by the way, I like Dana White uh, a lot, but uh, yeah, Dana kind of goes off the reservation at times um do you think everything you said was bullshit i i didn't hear the entire thing so i can't talk about it but i i've talked to dana enough over the years to know that yeah he goes he he goes in the you know the story right i know i know the basic uh i know he was talking about it i don't know exactly what he was doing he was I, i guess gronk has a gronk cast before big UFC fights, they made him into a uh, podcaster for some reason. I, I've never heard the Gronk cast, but it's Gronk and his brother, whatever. And Dana White on it said, yeah, uh, when Tom Brady was still with the Patriots, going to be leaving, going to go free agent, that he had brokered a deal for Brady and Gronk together to come to the Raiders. But he was doing it, I guess, on an ownership level. And Gruden came in and said, no, screw that. We're not doing that. We're not taking Tom Brady. That's the story that Dana White told this. Now, Dana's saying he brokered the deal? Dana brokered the deal. 
Yeah. Because he's yeah. like this with Brady. He's boys with Brady. Yeah. So he tried to convince Brady to come to the to, to the Vegas. And apparently, he, I guess he had to do the deal with Davis, the owner, because yeah. that's the t- levels that we're talking about yeah. here. Um, yeah, that it was all but a done deal, but Gruden put the kibosh on it. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to think of that. I got I got a wrap around the head. I, I you know, Dane is an interesting guy. He's got a, a, ma- a huge personality. He knows everybody. So it doesn't surprise me um, if he's close with Tom Brady. But um, yeah, I mean, if, I'll tell you what, if John Gruden didn't want Tom Brady, um, it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, that part wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it's dumb, but you know, I saw John Gruden, uh, you know, win a Super Bowl, uh, uh, and you know, with somebody else's team, and he's he wanted to change that, um, because it, it, it wasn't good enough because they won defensively and he was an offensive guy. Um, so yeah, he's got an ego. I guess I could buy that part of it. Um, I I don't I don't know how much influence Dana has on on uh, Mark Davis. He does run that town. He's got a lot of influence in that town. Yeah. Um. I, I, what what we do know is that Tom is um he's done a lot of things over the past uh, number of years. First to get out of New England, and now with Tampa Bay. Look. I think it's pretty clear with Tampa Bay. He was not in love with what Bruce Arians was doing. Remember that story coming out and everybody poo-pooed that. No, there's nothing to it, nothing to that. And there was something to that. Um, and there was something, there's obviously something to Stephen Ross in Miami and the two Michigan men and Sean Payton and all that. Um, he's doing what he wants to do. and But it's very difficult to get everybody on the same page at the same time. Um, And, you know, he did the best he could. Couldn't quite get to Miami, but he got to Tampa. And he's back at practice after needing some personal. And and we still don't know what he was doing. The best singer. uh, Where where are all these NFL informational insiders? How Schefter has not been able to get to the bottom of where Tom Brady's been the last 10 days. I, I don't quite understand. But here's here's the problem for the the Bucks. Brady's back. That's good. Brady will be Brady. That gives you a chance to win absolutely everything. Here's a problem. Their offensive line is in tatters from the one that won the Super Bowl two years yeah. ago. Marpet gone. Jensen hurt. Wirfs is out. Um, Kappa left via free agency. That's not the same offensive line that won the Super Bowl for Tampa two years ago. Uh, I don't care how good Brady is. He's the greatest of all time, whatever. He's a year older, and he doesn't have the offensive line in front of him the way that he did. Certainly not well, now two what's, years ago. What's, uh, Bowl, not last year either. What's going on with Werfs? Because that's a big one. Is it uh, – it, uh, still, still haven't said. I think it was a peck. No, uh, ab thing. It was a stomach thing, a core thing. Um, I don't think they've uh, said – uh, but Jensen's gonna miss time. He's not gonna be ready for the start of the season. No, and, I yeah. know they got a, they got a problem at center, but they did bring in Shaq Mason. If Worfs is healthy, I I don't care if he misses the preseason. If he's healthy, he's a big time player. They they big haven't time. said yet. Uh, it's uh-huh. Still, 
They, they're keeping that injury, as far as I can tell, under wraps. All right, we need to come up, and speaking of wrapping, we need to wrap up this episode of Birds 365. Come on back with Mac and Mac. your day with confidence definitely want to keep the umbrellas on hand and keep your family safe with action news and accuweather numerous tornadoes well over seven inches of rain your go-to team when severe weather strikes the water is still rising right now keeping you prepared wherever you watch on tv on 6abc.com and on our streaming apps. And that's when we go severe weather mode and on the air for you. Action News and AccuWeather, the team you trust. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. On the field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365. Quick update on the Tampa thing we were talking about before the break. Uh, Aaron Stinney, who was looking like he was going to start a guard for the Bucks this year, torn ACL, done for the entire season. Jensen, still no update on his injury. Knee thing, that's a problem. Good news is Werfs upgraded today to day uh, by the coach yesterday. So um, oblique thing. Uh, doesn't look like it's going to keep them out for the start of the season at all if they're already calling them day-to-day and we got two weeks to go before the season starts. So it looks like he's going to be okay. But their offensive line isn't the same one that took them to the Super Bowl. I stand by what I said. Um, unfortunately, uh, we lost 
and we we're going to lose him anyway. I think he was going into practice. But when we had Alan Popar on the uh, Dolphin Beat guy for Sports Illustrated, I didn't get it to ask him about Chris Strebler, a fellow Canadian, was former CFL guy. John, I didn't know that either. I had to look this Strebler guy up, and I didn't even bother after he led the Jets to a victory over the Eagles. Yeah. But he did it again last night. I said, I got to get more information on this guy. CFL, he was he actually played for the Cardinals in 2021. Now, that doesn't for... surprise me, you know, um, now that you say that. Not that, obviously, I didn't know he was played in the CFL, but. Won a championship north of the border. I, uh, reps are valuable at quarterback, and I think they help, you know, even those lesser leagues. They help, and I always go back to the World League, man, and Brad Johnson and Kurt Warner and Jake DeLone getting World League snaps when they were nobodies, um, and all of a sudden they all turned into Super Bowl quarterbacks. Uh, Brad won one, Kurt won one, obviously. Uh, Jake got to one. Um, it's important to play the game at quarterback, so it doesn't surprise me that he played uh, in Winnipeg, I guess, and, and played at a high level. Um, those guys just have a better feel, man. You can't you can't play quarterback in practice, you know, especially when you're getting two reps like Carson Strong. That's why it was huge that Carson Wentz got that pass interference nine call the other day in the game. Yeah. Are we going to see more of Carson Strong this week? Or I have think they already so. gone down that road? I think so. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, well, he could be one. That's a name I should have brought up that gets cut today. I mean, what what's the point of keeping him? If you're not going to play him um, in the 85 to 80. Well, are you going to make Sinet play three quarters? Why not? He needs reps. What else is he going to do? You go. I, I would argue play four. Could play the whole game. I I would put to be honest. I would put Jalen Hurts and Gardner Minshew in bubble wrap and let Reed Sinet play the whole game and you're gonna get him killed and then then you're not gonna have a third Why string quarterback it's football chris strebler up off uh waivers might be a good move for the eagles to do because i don't know how the jets are going to be able to keep four quarterbacks but this kid Maybe is one beats two. out uh mike uh mike white the great mike white uh he he has not gotten the job done strebler's come in and saved two games for him and yeah. oh by the way Joe Flacco hadn't taken a snap yet. He's going to start the first week. He didn't play week one. He didn't play last night. He's, they're going to put him bubble wrap for sure next week. So I've heard that he's looked very good in practice. I hope that's the case because he's going to be the guy who's going to get the nod against the Ravens week number one. All right, uh, getting the nod when you're down there um, watching the Eagles and the Dolphins, uh, it seems like you've leaned toward in a very close race, uh, give the Eagles – that uh, first day of practice against the Browns to get him to six and zero in joint practices. John McMullen, will you be back after the game on uh, Saturday talking about the eight and zero practice uh, joint practice Philadelphia Eagles? Uh, uh, um, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say uh, the Dolphins win a practice. I'm going to say law of averages here. Nothing to do with just law of average. And the Eagles are on the road for a second straight week. I think they're going to wake up and, you know, maybe not, you know, maybe have a bad day like me waking up. Um, 
Yeah, I think the Dolphins are going to get the better of them, at least one of the two days. One of the two practices. And it doesn't matter. Either way, it doesn't matter. And it might be Skylar Thompson who puts them in their place. Another guy I wanted to get to with Alan Popar, but unfortunately his his line dropped on us because the Dolphins' third-string quarterback hasn't been half bad either. All right, hey, partner, um, we may or may not get you tomorrow, depending on timing of everything, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm still waiting for the schedule. Uh, supposed to have it by midday, whatever that means. Uh, so hopefully soon. Uh, but yeah, I'll be checking in at some point. Um, maybe it'll be like Alan Popar. Maybe he'll be driving me to practice. Maybe it'll be one of those things. We'll take it. Um, all right, here's what we know for sure for tomorrow's show. McMullen, to be determined. If he's not here, co-host, to be determined. I'm going to be here. Mike Gill's going to be here. Rob Motti's going to be here. So we do have some pieces in place. we got some question marks for tomorrow, but we've got some pieces I in thought place. we had Jeff Carr in place. I could be wrong on that, but who knows? Yeah, Jeff yeah. Kerr. Did if I say you, Jeff if Carr? If you know that, that's you've got more information than me. I'm I don't know here. that. I don't know. I could be speaking out of turn. Yeah. I have not gotten any information yet on who will be filling in for you as the co-host tomorrow, hopefully. Well, no. Uh, we'll certainly know in 22 hours, that's for sure. J-Mac, travel safe, bud. All right. Thanks, Jody. Birds 365, back in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.